All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. I thank you for each and every person you've brought today. Lord, I ask that you bless their lives. And most of all, I ask that your Holy Spirit come and Lord, just saturate this place and just speak truth and life, Lord, to each one. And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to practice your word. Lord, you're not about us doing it perfect, but you are about us practicing it. So bless our time together, bless the food, and we just commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So a number of years ago, um, God began to show me uh, about my identity. And not too long after that, as he began to show me some things, I had a dream, and I'm not a dreamer. I'm not a dreamer. I don't normally dream at night. And if I do, I usually take note. But in this dream, I was going around this table, and it was a long table, and people were there, and everybody had their head down, and they were asleep. And when I saw that, it was like I knew I had to wake them up. And so I went from person to person, shaking them and said, wake up, wake up, you've got to wake up to who you are. Wake up. And I went on down the line and I thought, that is just the strangest dream. But as my life journeyed, God began to teach me more of who I was in Him. You see, I had gotten my identity from what I did. I had gotten my identity from being a wife. Um, some of you older ladies will remember back when I got married, uh, which was in 1979, you know, you went, by, you went by Mrs. Joe Maxwell. You didn't go by your name. I know that sounds funny to some of you younger ones, but that's how you sign documents. You know, back in, back in, in those days, it was, you got your identity. That, that way a lot of people did and so but the Lord began to show me that I needed to get my identity in him because he was the only thing that would really stand and understanding our identity from God's perspective is the key to our joy to our confidence to our passion and to our purpose in life and so I hope that's what you'll glean from today's lesson and also you know as I journeyed about understanding my identity in God God began to erase some of the lies that I had believed about myself and you know I came to the Lord I grew up my parents um, had me in church from my first memory was when I was four and I had a personal experience with Jesus when I was 10 years old but it wasn't until my 30s that I really began to understand who I was. You see, what happened is I began to believe life circumstances. I believed things that had happened to me as a young girl. Um, and it's easy to believe lies about ourselves that either we tell ourselves or that other people tell us and put on us. And one of the things I have learned in course media is so much more now than it was back in those days but we can't get our identity 
from the media, from TikTok, from Instagram, from Facebook, from any of those things. We've got to get it rooted and grounded in something that is going to stand and something that is going to land, going to, to be a firm foundation. And in Isaiah 44, verse 6, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to that, you can. To me, the Word of God is the thing we can stand on because so much is shaking in our world. And Isaiah 44, verse 6 says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Apart from me. So God right there is establishing who he is. He knows who he is. And he's saying, apart from me, there is no, there is no God. And so for me in my life, and I will show more and more of my story as I journey, as we, we go on, but he has been the only thing I could really and always depend on and stand on. Isaiah 44 verse 2 says, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, he who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. I read that scripture one day, and it just like came out that it's God that placed us in our mama's womb. We aren't just here because our parents had sex. We're here because it was in the heart of God to place us. He had a plan, and he has a purpose for each in every one of us. And I love the last part of that scripture, which says, and who will help you? Right there, we have a helper. We have somebody that no matter where we go, what we do, what we face, that will always be our helper. And I can't tell you just going through my every day um, when I just say, Lord, I need you to help me with this. Lord, you know what I need. I need... You know, I mean, even getting this together, I was like, Lord, I need some helpers. I need some people. I can't do it all. I need some helpers. And God provides that. And so I want you to know that God is here to help you with whatever situation that, you're, that you're, you are facing. Isaiah 48, if you've got, you want to turn to that now. Isaiah 48, verse 17. It again says, this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you and directs you in the way you should go. I don't know about you, but for me, I need someone directing. I need somebody leading because I don't always make the wisest choices. But I do know that when I go to the Lord in prayer, whether it's something little in life. I mean, yesterday I was like, okay, Lord, I came back from being gone five days um, in New Mexico. And I came back yesterday and one of the first things, or Monday, and the, one of the first things my husband said is he said, the washing machine went out while you were gone and I don't have any clean jeans, you know? And I'm like, okay, I can, I can figure this out. Let me see. So I, I called Regina who helps me over here and said, can I bring you my laundry? And she was gracious to help me. But yesterday I had to go find, Stephen was like, you've got to find a washing machine. We can't go without one. I mean, it was like made a crisis for him, you know? Like he's never had clean clothes or something. I don't know. So yesterday, I'm like, I don't even know where to 
go shop for a washing machine here in Uvalde. But that was, as I was driving, I was like, Lord, help me find one. Lord, we need one that can be delivered. The first place I went, they could give me one by February. <laughs> Wasn't that comforting? I said, well, I don't think that's going to work for me. I've got to do better. So then I'm driving around, you know, Lord, show me. And, and God did that. God did that. I've got to be home by two because it's going to be delivered. So anyway, the whole key of those scriptures in Isaiah, and you look them up for yourself, um, is this is what the Lord says. This is what God says to us. And... I, I hope today that if you have believed any lie, if you see anything from the stories I'm going to share, that you've gotten your identity in anything other than the Lord, that God would begin to erase that and help you fill in what he says about you. So if you're following, if you're taking notes and on your paper, the first one there, number one, understanding our identity. Identity is the first word you're going to fill in. And getting it from the right source is vital to understanding our purpose. And our purpose, ladies, is why we get up in the morning, why God put us on the earth. And understanding your purpose makes you stronger. It brings security when life rocks our boat and peace in our hearts confidence, and destiny. Destiny. Understanding your identity is important to your mental health, your joy, and is an anchor when you deal with adversity. And here's point two. Understanding our identity is key to transformation in our lives. It's key to transformation in our lives. And transformation is another word for change in our life. I know that there have been times that as God has showed me who I am as his daughter, as he's shown me who I am and what he's called me to here on this earth, that there are times I've gone to do something and it's like I just hear the Lord saying, you can't do that because that's not who you are. You know, or have you ever lost your temper? Am I the only one that's lost my temper? You know, and it's like the Lord says, but you can't do that. That's not who you are. And I'm like, you're right, Lord, that's not who I am. And then I'm quick to repent. Repent is just turn and go the other way. And that's what it means to practice. God's word. That's what it means to work it into the fabric of our life. And the more we understand who we are in him, it can change us and it can help us overcome in so many areas. I used to be so quick and I could get angry in a heartbeat. And it's not that I don't ever get angry, but I don't do it near as much anymore because I'm quicker to remember who I am and what God's called me to be. And I'm quicker to pray about things that maybe frustrate me or you know, frustration is just somebody blocks our goal. Have you ever had your goal blocked? Uh-huh. Yep, I have. Um, you know, for many years, and I had to come face-to-face -face and be honest with myself, I thought God had made a mistake in making me. I had compared myself to other people, and there were all these, you know, 
people, even as a little girl, I just was like, I'm, I just don't seem exactly like everybody. And there were these sweet, quiet little girls, and, and that just didn't seem to be me. And um, as an adult, I grew up, and I was appeared confident on the outside, but I was really pretty insecure on the inside. And you wouldn't have known it so much because I really had walls around my heart. And I had built those walls out out to protect myself. Um, And those walls were real good to kind of keep things hurt out, but they also kept me from really receiving and understanding the love of other people and the love of God in my life. Um, You know, I remember one day I was standing, I coached gymnastics for 27 years and have my own gymnastics school in Kerrville. And one day I was standing in my gym and I'll never forget, I couldn't even tell you where I was standing. And the kids had all kind of gone and I was standing there just kind of reflecting on the day. And as I stood there, I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you can't get your identity in your husband, in your children, in your parents, or in your occupation, because they could all be gone. And little did I know how soon in my life that would happen. Part of my story is I was widowed at 49, and I had no idea. I had married my high school sweetheart. We had been married 30 years. Life was rocking on. We got the kids out of the house. Our first, our last, our baby had gone to college, and we had dreamed about that time because we married young, and all of a sudden, life shifted. And I was so grateful that God had begun to show me to get my identity in Him because my boat would have been rocked big time if, and I knew I had something to hang on to when He was battling cancer for nine months and then He was gone. And I knew God had a new life for me somehow in the midst because I felt like my life was over, but I knew God had said in his word, in John 10, 10, he's come so we can have life and life abundantly. And that's what I mean about hanging on to the Lord and hanging on to what he says. I've gotten my identity in my parents. They were had lived in Kerrville a long time, and they were kind of icons in our church and in our community. And it was, oh, yeah, you're Mary Bellwin Landon's daughter. You know how we can kind of get, oh, yeah, you're Joe Maxwell's wife. Oh, yeah, you're Austin's mom. You know, so we have, we can get all of these different identities and we think that's who we are. Or, oh, you are, you know, for me, I worked at, I had my own gym. I was gymnastics, et cetera. Kind of like Karen here. She's got the the ballet um, school. And so, you know, it's real easy to do that. Um, As mamas, it's real easy to get our identity in our kids. It's a part of our life, but it is not doesn't define us forever because when we're raising our kids we want to raise them to know the Lord so they have something secure they can hang on to when they leave home because they're a part of life and I I loved every part of motherhood I really love my adult children (laughs) they're a lot more fun it's fun to be their friend now but you know those hard years of mama and and I'm so glad to see some younger people here it's um you know, it's easy to lose sight and think that's our life, but that doesn't define that doesn't define us. Um, but for me, I didn't like the way God made me. 
I admired other girls that were, you know, like I said, quiet and, and just different. And I had gotten my identity in some of the hurts that happened when I was young. See, as a little girl, I was overweight, and so I was teased. How many of you have ever been teased about anything? You know, it's hurtful. It's hurtful when somebody teases you and puts that label on you, and when they call you, when they call you fat. And the other thing I struggled with is I was pigeon-toed. So I, back then in those days, they probably correct it different now, but I had to wear these big, clunky, brown shoes while all the other little girls were wearing keds cute kids. I had to wear these big things that helped my feet turn out. And so I was called the klutz, you know. And so those labels, that's what I mean by those labels can stick to us. And we can begin to believe those lies about ourselves. And God said, no, 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 no. Time out. I want you to see yourself the way I see you. And because those hurt, and that's what I mean about I built walls. It's like, okay, you're not going to hurt me. Fine. You know? Okay. And so I pretended those things didn't hurt, but when I got gut level honest, they did. And I had to ask God to heal those things and those negative labels that were put on me that I had believed were a part of my identity. And perhaps you've had negative words spoken over you by your parents by your friends, by your boss, by your spouse. Maybe you've had some of those in you. In the back of your mind, they're still there. Those little recordings still play. And we have to be so careful about the words we speak. And I want to just say, for those of you that are raising kids and for those of you that are grandmothers um, and those of you that just have people that you have a sphere of influence over, our words either speak life or death. And the Bible says... There's really no in-between. Let's turn to Proverbs 18.21. It says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat the fruit of it. The tongue has the power of life or death. We have to be so careful of the words we speak over our spouse, over our situations, over our kids, over our grandkids, over our co-workers. Speak life, ladies. Speak life because it's that life. Our words have life or death. They're either going to bring up and sprout seeds that are going to grow a harvest of good or a harvest of bad. And your, your, your sphere of influence is listening to you. And God has hand-placed each one of you in spheres of influence. And so pick your words wisely. Begin to speak life. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Begin to speak life about that. Begin to speak, begin to speak those positive words to your spouse, even though you might you know, want to choke him sometime or something. <laughs> And I know that because, you know, my marriage, my, my marriage to my late husband, we went through some hard, hard times. And I had to speak life into that situation where it looked like death, where it looked like a desert, where it looked like a drought. But the Bible's real clear. Your words either do one or the other. So you, you choose. Every encounter, and here's number three, every encounter you have with someone is either a deposit, that's the word you're going to fill in, or a withdrawal. 
from someone's emotional bank. You know, maybe you went through some verbal abuse. You're a mistake. You never should have been born. You know, those kinds of words can be death words. And what I feel like God wants to do is uproot those words and plant good things in your heart. And those good things come from the truth and from the Word of God. I quoted John 10.10. You might want to underline... This one's underlined in my Bible. I'll tell you that for sure. All of these are really, but... In John 10, 10, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, the thief, and that's Satan, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's Satan's job description, to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, and these are his words, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Wherever you are right now, I want you to know that God has life and life abundantly for you. He has life and life abundantly for you. And those are words I hung on to in those days when I was widowed at 49. It's like, I can't see it. I feel like my life is over. I don't know how I'm going to make it. But Lord, your word says, you've come so I can have life and life abundantly. And it was a journey. When you've had a deep loss in your life, it's a journey for God to heal your heart. But as you partner with him, I can testify that he will do it. You know, physical, mental, verbal, sexual, emotional abuse are often lies that the enemy uses to rob us. And maybe you've let that abuse define you, but it doesn't define you. God defines you. It's what his word says about you, that you are valuable, that you are a treasure, that you are his daughter or his son. And I really feel like God says to take those clothes off and put on who I say you are. See, God always calls us up. He doesn't call us out. He's a good, good father. And he calls us up. If there's something wrong in your life, if there's something we're not doing right, he is not a taskmaster that is up there saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe Kathleen did that again. How many times has she read not to do it? But there she goes again. He's not like that. When he sees us, when he sees that we're an heir, as a good father, he lifts us up and he says, remember who you are. Don't do that. Dusts us off and puts us back out in the race. And that's what he wants to do in each of our lives. Because he wants us to have that life and life to the full. We're not perfect. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. You know, I've got eight grandkids, and I love watching them. And I love, you know, is there learning new things? Is there learning to walk? Is there learning to ride a bike? Is there learning different things at school? I love watching them. And even when they fall down, what do I do? Oh, I'm running over there. I'm picking them up. I'm kissing them. I'm dusting them off. You're going to be okay. You know, try it again. Get back out there and try it again. And that's the heart of God for you and me. That is what it is. You see, for me, it was real interesting. I guess it was in my 40s. Um, And it's pretty common now. You know, the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs personality test the uh, disc profiling. When I finally took that, and it was in our 40s, my uh, late husband and I were 
in church leadership and there was a gentleman that came and, and had us do that personality profiling, which opened my eyes. And here's what I found out. Here all my life I'd struggled to be like other little girls, other women, and never quite seemed to be able to do it. And when I did the personality profiling, one of the things it was is there are only 10 to 15% of the people in the world with your personality. I thought, well, no wonder I was never going to be like anybody else. But God made me to be me. And part of that, and we always have to temper things with the fruit of the Spirit, with grace, with love, with kindness, with gentleness. But he did make me bold, and he did make me strong, and he did make me somebody to proclaim his word because he saw me in this day for this time in such a time as this. And so I'm just passionate about helping people understand who he is and what he has for us. But here's how the Lord began to do that. I want you to turn to Psalm 139, if you've got your Bibles. And we're going to look at verse 13 and verse 14. It says, You who were hand-knit by God... Your life has purpose. Oh, wait a minute. We're going to go in Psalm 139. But in number four on your paper, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Number four on taking your notes. You were hand-knit by God. Your life has purpose. And God wants you to discover it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what God has to say about you. And now I'm going to read Psalm 139, 13 and 14. It says, For you created my innermost being. You, here it is again, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. And people, I'm here to tell you, when I read that one day, I read that and looked at that. And these were the words of David, who David was not a perfect man if you read about him in the Bible. But I read that, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, I know that full well. And I had to get gut level honest with God. And I said, Lord, I don't know that full well. I really don't. I don't. This is your word. I know it's truth. But in my heart of hearts, I'm having a hard time believing that about me. And it was like God just spoke and he said, that's okay. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Let's go on in that passage because it's so powerful. And here's the thing, girls. When we're honest with God, He loves that honesty. He loves that honesty of our heart. And I think way too often it's real easy to put up walls. It's real easy to put up pretense. And God is just looking for an honest heart that wants His help because He's all about that. But let's go on in the rest of Psalm 139. It says in verse 15, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes, these are God's eyes, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book 
before one of them came to be. How precious, this is what God says to you, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, my word. Do you see God's thoughts of you outnumber the grain of sand? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that's like? I thought, man, you must, you think that much about me? Because sometimes we can be lost in those lies we've believed or in a, the busyness of life that we don't think God cares about what we're going through. We don't think he really cares, and that's really not true. For me, when I read that about, when I read that passage in Psalm 139, and where it said, where it said, I'll praise you for I am fearfully, you know, fearfully is very carefully. You know, have you ever made something or you're handling something and it's real fragile and you don't want to break it? and you're trying to be careful, that's how God hand-knit you in your mama's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And for me, when, I, when God was showing me who I was in Him, and that's how He saw me, I had to really come face-to-face -face with the fact that I really had some self-hate. Because for so many years, I had not liked the way I was made. I didn't like my looks. I didn't like my personality. I really didn't like much about me. And in that, in that place, for me, what I had to do was just repent, just confess it to God. And so I just went to the Lord and said, Lord, I just confess to you that I haven't believed I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I repent. And I ask you to change my thinking. You know, when we go to the Lord and we realize we've stumbled or that we have thought something that's not true, when we see a difference in the Word, what the Word says, then all we have to do is repent. Repentance is your friend. It's just turning and going the other way. And for me, when I was honest and said, Lord, I hadn't seen that. I hadn't believed that for almost 40 years. But I want you to change my thinking about myself. And I repent. God, I can tell you, has done that. And I can tell you now, I really believe that scripture. I don't just read it and say, oh, that's a great scripture. I know that deep in my heart. And that's what I mean about practicing the word. Are you getting it? It's about putting it into, your, putting it into the fabric of your everyday life. Um, you know, another thing... <clears throat> Another thing in my life, it's real easy to define ourselves by the mistakes we've made. How many of you have ever made a mistake and you really, truly regret it? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that wasn't on the front page of the paper. You know, but we can let those mistakes, those failures define us. Oh, I'm just a failure as a mother. I'm a failure as a wife. Oh, I'm just a failure. I can't get this stuff at work. You know, when we make a mistake, when we believe something that's not necessarily true, when we struggle, we already read the scripture how God wants to help us. And that means with everything. That means with everything in our life. You know, in understanding identity, <clears throat> this was funny. So I, um, 
I told this story, you know, just about being in the gym that day and how uh, the Lord said I couldn't get my identity in being a wife, a mother, my parents, or my occupation. Well, when my youngest, um, my kids are spread out, and when my oldest got into junior high and started playing sports and everything, and my daughter did too, and then I had a little three-year-old at home, it just, life got to be too much. The time that my kids needed me the most was when I was working, because I really worked in the afternoons for the most part. And so we sold our gym. And when I, um, Joe and I went into the courthouse to sign our name and do all the legal documents we had to do to sell the business, and we were started to walk down the steps of the courthouse, and I just froze. I stopped, and I looked at him, and I said, oh, my gosh. He said, what's the matter? I said, oh, my gosh, who am I? He said, what are you talking about? I said, who am I? I just sold my name, gymnastics, etc. Everybody knows me as Kathleen Maxwell, gymnastics, etc. And he looked at me, and he said, you think that's bad? I'm Mr. Kathleen. <laughs> And he said, crazy woman, get in the car, you know. But I was really serious because it was like, do you see how I'd gotten my identity and what I did? And I think that's so easy because we can get our identity in being human doings versus human beings. And that's what God has made us to be. All right. So in the process, as I begin to understand more about my identity, I want to show you another scripture. And this is in Psalms 8 verses 3 through 5 and it says when I consider your heavens the works of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is mankind that you are mindful of them human beings that you care for them you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. And when I read that one day, it was like God said, Kathleen, I've given you a crown. I've crowned you. I made you. I've crowned you as my daughter. I'm the king. You're my daughter. And I've crowned you with glory and honor. He said, but you don't wear your crown. And I was like, oh, I mean, it was like a pregnant pause in my life. I was like, oh. So I really began to dive into that. And I'll tell you one of the ways I practiced that. I had sold my gym. My little three-year-old was now in kindergarten. And so he had gone to school. And I was like, what am I going to do? Well, I know kids. So I substitute taught because I had kids in high school, junior high, and elementary. So I was all over the place. And so I was a substitute teacher, and I remember I had read the scripture one morning, and I was walking fifth graders. I actually remember where I was on the campus, and I had to walk them, you know, as teachers do, from one place to the next, to PE, to art, to lunchroom. And I visually, I thought, I'm going to practice wearing my crown. You know, when God showed me that, I repented. Lord, forgive me for not ever wearing my crown. I really never saw it. I didn't even know I had one. But I want to begin to understand and see myself as you see me. And so for me, 
I was taking those little kids as I would walk them from the lunch line, you know, the cafeteria back to the classroom. I would practice like I had a crown on my head. Now, I know that sounds funny, but for me, it gave me a visual to understand my identity in Christ and to get that. And then I would practice holding it up. And I'm telling you, you know, if you have a crown, I want you to just pretend you've got one on right now. If you do, you're holding your head up. You're not looking down. You're holding it up because you know who you are. You have confidence in you. And that's how I began to practice. And I know that is silly, but I'm telling you, ladies, it works. I'm telling you it works. And years ago, in fact, this was right before my um, late husband was diagnosed with his rare cancer, I was invited to Indonesia to speak at an international women's conference. And they said there's going to be 450 women coming. And will you speak on identity? And I said, I'd love to. And I bought 450 crowns and took them over to Indonesia. And here were all these women that had come from different islands, some by boat, some from all over. And in the message, as I gave that message, I had people help pass out those crowns. And one of my favorite, most treasured memories was having the women take that crown and set it on their head and hold their head up high. Because women there are very, very oppressed, a lot more than we are here. But when they put that on, there was a wave of weeping because for the first time those women saw who they were in Christ. And they had a visual and they had something to take back with them in that. I'm telling you ladies, take your crown and remember it. I don't have one for you today, I'm real sorry. <laughs> but take, take, and, take and wherever you're going, whether it's to the post office, to the grocery store, because as you do that, then you're modeling. You're, as a mother, you're modeling for your kids. As a grandmother, you know, you're modeling for your kids. That's one of the things, and when I have my grandkids with, I want them to understand who they are. I don't want them to get their identity from the rest of the world. You know, <clears throat> number five in our notes. I cannot surrender my identity to negative emotions or words. Too many times we've given our crown away because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel special. We don't feel loved. We don't feel, we don't feel pretty. We don't feel smart enough. We don't feel valuable because something has happened or not happened in our life. And I really firmly believe what God wants is for us to wake up and be empowered, mature sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who He's created us to be. That's who He's created you to be. This isn't just for me. This is for you. 
And I feel like what he's wanting to say, because right now, more than ever, our world is shaking. What are you going to hang on to? It's shaking. We're seeing it shake right here in our community. We're seeing it shake across the world. We're seeing political things happen that are shaking. We're seeing things that have, you know, we've depended on for so long. They're shaking. God is wanting to raise up strong and mature people that know who they are, that know who their God is, that know what they can depend on. Because the things of this life can pass away. We have no guarantees tomorrow. None of us do. What are you going to hang on to? And do you know who you're called to be? And where do you get that? I want to challenge you, encourage you to get that from God's Word. I want to challenge you to do that. Number six in your note-taking. We have to love ourselves and who God made us to be before we can love others well. It was as I began to understand my value and my worth that I was able to give love and receive love so much more. And if you know me very well, you know, of course, COVID's kind of changed things. I try to honor people, but I'm a big hugger. And I was not always that way. I didn't even, you know, if somebody hugged me, I kind of froze. And that's a whole other story I'll share with you another time. But as I understood my value and worth, it changed me. It changed me. And I want God to keep, even with where I am now in my life, it hadn't been that long, I'm a big journaler. And I have written down in my journal, the Lord saying, you need to understand more about your identity for where I'm taking you. I'm not real sure where he's taking me. I don't know. I don't have to know yet. But I do know that I need to be stronger in who I am for where and what he has for me in the days ahead. And I firmly be, believe that for each and every one of you. And so as we wrap up, if you've listened to anyone but God about your identity, I want you to take some time this week to repent because repentance is your friend. And it's your key to freedom. It's your key to freedom. When we repent of something, God begins to set us free. Because he doesn't look for perfection. He just wants us to repent and come into agreement with what he says. Versus our circumstances, versus our labels, versus so many things. You know, there's so many things that are linked. Um, I've worked with women. There's so many things that are linked to us not understanding our identity. Eating disorders, addictions. So many things can happen in life that can rob us. And it's somebody trying to, to fill a void that's there or something that's happened. And God is a God who heals. He heals broken hearts. I'm a living testimony of that. I'm a living testimony. I can tell you that. Are there still times? What? I guess it's in two days. would be the 12th anniversary of when I lost my husband, late husband. Do I still miss him? Absolutely. Do I have a good life now? Absolutely. And I have a new man that loves me. But we've got to let God 
fill those voids and heal our hearts. And he heals broken hearts. He heals shattered dreams. So whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take it to him. And I want to pray. Lord, I just thank you for each and every one that's listened. And I pray your words, Lord, the words that are from you, God, that they would go deep into their spirits and you would bring life. And Lord, anything from me that doesn't need to be said, Lord, just let them forget. But let your words sink deep in their spirit. Father, help us to be a people that's quick to repent, dust ourselves off, and stand up and become who you've created us to be. Thank you for your great, great love. Thank you that you are the king and you've called us to be mature sons and daughters of the Most High God and to represent you well. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Kathleen Maxwell Randy with The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life, and I appreciate you joining me today. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. For more information about me, published newspaper articles, to contact me to speak in your area or purchase my new book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, visit my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com. This podcast reaches around the world with listeners in 27 countries thanks to the one-time and monthly gifts from people just like you. If you want to give, Simply click the button that says become a patron or patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the follow button and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. And leave me a comment. Enjoy the podcast. Well, hello everyone.